Well, good morning, everybody in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, I brought some sunshine from Texas, so I'm hoping you're enjoying that the last few days. Uh, we have plenty of it, so I just, you know, bring the extra here. And so uh, it had been raining like for four days here or something, right? And so, uh, wow, we get to see sunshine and blue skies. I love it. Uh, I also just want to say thank you for, uh, you know, just the, the, the Five Stones Church, the leadership, and all the staff that really helped uh, this weekend go very smoothly. And uh, my host family, too, they took good care of me and fed me lots of good food, so appreciate that. Uh, it has been wonderful to be here this, this, uh, this weekend. Uh, today, I want to talk about uh, a concept called working or cooperating. And um, one of the things that I, I've, I've been a Christian for many years, I grew up in, uh, I think I was actually born in a church, but my parents, you know, they, they tell me that's not true, but I felt like I was born in the church because we would go there like three times a week. And... Uh, very traditional church, very boring. Uh, you know, I fell asleep most of the time. They didn't have children's church like they do today, so I had to sit beside my parents for the whole time, and you couldn't make noise. And so for me, it was, uh, it was a grind. Church was a grind, and it was like, okay, we're going to church again. It's three times, Dad. Yeah, two times on Sunday, son. And, uh, you know, so for me, I grew up in, a, in this very religious background. And so uh, I... I I understood God, I understood things about God, I understood that when you come to church, there was a certain behavior that was expected of you, uh, like in my church, you couldn't run in church, so, uh, you know, my parents would always be watching, you know, don't run in church, and I'm like, is God sleeping, are we going to wake him up, or, you know, I, I didn't know all of those things, so uh, for me, church was, was uh, seemed like a lot of work. And um, it seemed like there was a lot of things that you had to do and things you don't do so that God would be pleased with you. And so from little up, I'm growing up with this mentality that, that you know, God is keeping score and you better, you better win the score or he's going to be super mad with you. And so I had these concepts of God that were just not accurate. And maybe this morning you're here for the first time. We want to welcome you if you're here for the first time. We're so glad that you're here. If you're watching for the first time, we're so glad that you're watching because many times we grow up in our societies, our cultures, and we have concepts of God that are just not accurate. And because they're not accurate, it can actually keep us a distance from God, the one who loves us and wants to take care of us. And so we, this morning, I want to I talk a little bit about that. And to start with, I just want to use a, a term called labor pains. Now, when I say the word labor pain, some of you say, oh, yeah, that's tomorrow morning, Monday. I got to go to my labor pains. It's called work. <laughs> but for all the women here, it means something different. And, um, you know, we have, I've had, I have four children, two of them natural births, two adopted. And so we've been through different kinds of process of labor pain. Even adoption was some labor pain. Um, and so... I've been through that process. I remember my son Josh, he's 31 today. Uh, I remember as a good old dad with the old camcorders. Remember those massive camcorders that we used to use? And uh, in, the <laughs> in the delivery room, and I'm filming, right? And, uh, and suddenly, you know, they, they bring Josh out, and he's covered with some kind of slime and some kind of sticky stuff. I don't know what it was, but... Uh, and they hold him up, and they go, wow, he looks just like you. And I go, well, thank you, doctor. And, uh, and you know, my wife was in 24 hours of labor. And, I mean, it was, it was grueling to watch this. And, 
and, and not enough space and everything else. They were going to think they were going to do a C-section. They decided not to. And anyway, it was, it was grueling to watch that. And I'm like, you know, I'm standing here doing nothing. You know, we went to Lamaze classes, and I was trying to, oh, breathe like this. And she says, stop talking to me. Get away from me. And uh, <laughs> all you husbands know what I'm talking about. It's like you forget all that stuff you learned uh, in those classes. But labor was super tough. Uh, so when we hear that term, we immediately think about the end of a long process of internal growth of a baby or in the animal world uh, within the female of God's creation. And now the process is terminating in a painful time of delivery of a precious baby into the world. During delivery, there is sweat, blood, tears, maybe even some swearing, I don't know, and lots of physical strain, all with the hope of terminating with great joy. Parents have waited nine months for this amazing promise to be born. What they could not see or touch physically yet, now they can see and hold in their arms. Today we celebrate our moms, and I'm, I'm just giving a shout out to all the mothers here today, and the labor they went through to bring us into the world. Whether they are alive or have passed away, we honor their amazing effort and love to bring us into this world. Whether we had a great relationship, strained relationship, or a non-existent, we are forever grateful to be alive because we wouldn't be here without them. So happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers that are here today. And uh, a shout out to you. We honor you and we are so blessed by you. When we use the term labor, though, we mean it means work. And many times in, in church, like I said, I grew up thinking that you have to do a lot of work to please God. Because God obviously comes from a position of being angry with us because of our bad behavior. And so because of our bad behavior or our, you know, not following what the Bible says, the rule book, and so obviously God is super angry with me, so from that position, I'm already coming into a, a, a relationship with God or a non-relationship with God that is based on something that's not true. God is not angry with you this morning. Please hear me. God is not angry with you this morning. God loves you this morning. And God doesn't want you distant from Him. He wants you close to Him because if you're close to Him, there are so many things He wants you to have and to experience that only come from Him. And so this morning, we want to talk about a couple things that how do we... How do we bridge that gap? How do we get past this, this, these, these things that we have been trained religiously about? So point number one, uh, you know, we are, are built to perform. We are built to perform. There is, in our society, uh, we are a performance-driven society. And um, if I do well, I will get positive things. I'll get love, approval acceptance, uh, if my Instagram picture is just right and has plenty of filters on it, there's going to be lots of likes and followers and thumbs ups, and, and I feel super good because of that. That's performance driven. If we score the winning basket or the winning goal like the Stars did last night, uh, you, you know, there's this, there's this sense of, of wonderful feelings and, wow, you're a superhero, but boy, if you miss it, uh, you suddenly are not the superhero anymore, and people boo you and Throw things at cans at you when you walk off, off the, the court. And so it's interesting that in our society, we have from little up, we are growing in this performance-based society that if I do well, it's all good. If I do terrible, it's all bad. When I work, I deserve a wage. 
That's, that's normal. That's pretty, pretty normal in our society. So we go to work. We, uh, based on what kind of work, we anticipate an equal and a, an a appropriate amount of money in for our, our labor. Negative behavior will cause others to withdraw. This, this happens all the time in our life. We have may, may, maybe we've even grown up in a, in a family where our father or our mentor or our leader that was the father figure in my life was very performance driven and so he drove you to perform and maybe he withheld love and affection from you uh, because you didn't perform to his expectation and uh, maybe you were in that kind of home that that you brought home uh, uh, you thought was a, a great grade on your report card and your father looked at it and said wow uh, yeah you have all A's but the B what about this B and he only focused on that instead of all of the wonderful things you did we grow up in a society, sometimes in homes, where we are programmed to perform. We are programmed to do the right things, don't do the wrong things, because right things will bring blessing and will bring love and acceptance. Wrong things, will, you'll be pushed away. The home was supposed to be a place of, great, of the most influence. It was designed by God to be the place where children grow and develop and witness through their caregivers the characteristics of God. But obviously, many of us come from homes that are not perfect. Did you notice your parents are not perfect? And um, many times parents are simply parenting you and I the way that they were parented. And it's just generation after generation doing same things, sometimes dysfunctional things, that continued to push a message to the generations of performance-driven love and acceptance. Uh, we, uh, many of us, live in countries where the religious society flows with the environmental society. So religion then becomes like the environment of the culture. And uh, religious society tells, teaches us that God is angry and we must do the wrong things and stop, uh, stop, wrong things, uh, stop doing the wrong things, do the right things, and then God will like us. Religious society has many rules for us to follow that when done to perfection, God seems satisfied and happy to help us. I remember my parents, uh, you know, taking me to church and, and they would always use the term, we're going to the house of God. <laughs> and I thought that was so unusual as a little kid, you know, three or four years old and we're driving to church and they would give us the same speech every time when we get close to the, the building, God's house, right? And... Um, they said, okay, now, now kids, no running, don't make noise, I don't want to hear you, I don't want to have a peep out of you, if you do, there's going to be, you know, some, you know, discipline when we get home, and, um, and so it was tough, and so I would go into church trying to be super quiet, uh, you know, I would be afraid to sneeze or cough, I mean, that's, that's how, how silent it was in our church, and so um, <clears throat> I would always have this thought that, Okay, so why do we have to be so quiet in God's house? See, he's sleeping. There's, we don't want to wake him up. Or I literally thought God lived there, you know. So my concept was being formed by my religious culture that I was living in. And maybe that was your case too. Maybe as children you were taken to different kinds of temples or, you know, cathedrals or churches. And, and um, all of that was forming something inside of you and inside of me of our perception and our concept of who God is. And um, boy, I tell you, uh, I would hear the preacher, he would be preaching from the Bible. And 
in my opinion, my thought as a kid, I thought, well, that's the rule book. And so because all I heard from the, from the front was no, 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 no. And I thought, wow, God is so traditional, so old-fashioned. This is such a boring thing to follow because everything is no. I thought, where are the yeses? It seems like there are so many no's. Where are the yeses? And I thought that the Bible literally was like this rule book that was telling me how to please God, how to make God happy and turn the frown into a smile. But I realized later in life that's not true. There was always this sense of a religious scale. You know, you've seen those scales that have the balance like this and that, that uh, my good has to outweigh the bad in order for God to do something good for me. Because if it was the opposite, I will not, if I ask God for help, He's not going to help me, He's not going to heal me, He's not going to provide for me or protect me because my scale is not, not correct yet. And maybe that's something that you have thought as well in your relationship with God. This makes me then have to do certain religious things or don't do certain bad things to try to gain favor with God. So I remember, you know, my parents, uh, every prayer meeting, anytime the church opened, we would be there because you got to do every religious activity so that God would release his favor on you. I want to say it again today, it's not true. And we're going to get to the good news here in just a little bit. You know, uh, uh, my daughter, uh, she, when she was like five years old, um, Sarah, she thought she had to have a hamster, you know, and we, we didn't really have any pets in our house yet, so this was kind of our first pet, and so you go to the little pet store, and you buy the hamster, and you know, there's a cage, and there's the food, and there's all this stuff that goes with the hamster, you know, they never tell you that, they always say, I want a puppy daddy, but they don't tell you that, wow, there's all this other stuff that you got to go and get with the puppy, right, and then all the upkeep and main maintenance of an animal, so the thing that they, they, had to, they told us is you got to buy this wheel for the hamster cage. And I thought, okay, that sounds cool. The hamster has to exercise, I guess. It's kind of like his, his elliptical you know, uh, machine or something. And, and so, you know, but the thing they didn't tell you is that all night long, <coughs> you have this, 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 this noise <laughs> coming from my daughter's bedroom it drove me crazy. We finally had to move that cage to some other part of the house because it was so noisy. Because all night long, the little hamster is on the wheel, and he's just going at it. I thought, this guy, is, he's, he's going to be like Dwayne Johnson pretty soon. He's going to be super, <laughs> super cut and buff. And, but, but the reality is, that's what religion does. Religion puts us on this hamster wheel because... We are trained to live in a relentless cycle of trying to defeat evil in our lives or trying to be better, work harder, uh, trying to clean up our act, trying to make good things happen, trying to persuade God to help me or bless me because we know God is not happy with my performance, so I must do better. i got to work hard to do better in my life. 
And you know, we go through all these promises. I remember every youth camp I went to, every youth conference I would go to, uh, you know, the, the preacher would be preaching about whatever, and every single one, every single meeting, I'd be up at the front. I promise, God, I won't do that ever again. I promise. And, you know, a week later, I'm doing the same stupid things, and you feel so bad. And again, it's this, this hamster wheel called religion of you trying to be better you of you trying to improve who you are under your own strength. And it's impossible, man. That, that's like the hamster in the wheel all night long, just going at it, going at it, and it never goes anywhere. That's what religion does. Religion just keeps you in this performance-driven mentality before God, but you're not going anywhere. Things are not changing in your life. You still struggle with different things, and you say, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that kind of husband. I don't want to be that kind of wife. I don't want to be that kind of father that has a, a, an eruptive temper and my kids are afraid of me. I don't want that in my life. And I'm going to do better, God. I'm going to do better, God. And day after day, week after week, month after month, we are on this religious hamster wheel and we're not going anywhere. I have good news for all of us this morning. God is not mad with you. He's not mad at you. In fact, He wants you so close to Him because He is the one that can bring change in our lives. Not religion, not the hamster wheel, not the, the rule book. None of those things bring change. It just brings adaptation to behavior temporarily. That's it. But it doesn't bring permanent change in our life. And that's where God comes in. And so this next point, God's promises are yes and amen. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in Him, in Jesus, are yes and in Him, Jesus, are amen to the glory of God through us. I love this about God. This morning, God says over you, yes. God says over you, amen. And the word amen means, I agree with this. I too believe in this. And so, God is speaking that over all of us this morning that you and I can live under the yes and amen of God. And when I learned this, it changed everything for me. Because in my childhood, all I could see was the no of God. Know this, know that, know this. And, and all of the rules that went with it. But when I realized, wait a minute, I'm looking, I've been taught something that's not accurate, and so I need to look at what does God really, what is He really like? Well, this, this says it very clearly. I speak over you, yes and amen. What does that mean? God had a plan, and He set a plan in motion, and His plan is irreversible. I love gifts. So if anyone wants to give gifts this morning before I fly back to Texas, I'll receive them. Uh, I like gifts. But you know, God has given gifts to all of us. He's given gifts to humanity. They, don't, they may not know it all yet, um, but he's given gifts, and that's part of his plan. One of his gifts is unconditional love. And He offers, he says, yes, I give you unconditional love. What does that mean? That means you can't do anything for, to me or against me that will cause me to stop loving you. That's called unconditional love. And God says, yes, I want to give you that gift. That's already been settled. It's irreversible. You cannot cause God not to love you. You say, but Greg, you don't know what happened last night. I don't care what happened last night. You cannot offend God in any way that He will stop loving you. That's good news. That's a gift that God has given to us 
and it begins to change our perspective of trying to be close to God. He already chose to give us the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. That was chosen before you were even born, before I was born. That was chosen many, many years ago, thousands of years ago, where he chose this is the plan, and it's irreversible. I want to give you the gift of salvation. What's the gift of salvation? The gift of salvation is that you can now literally connect to God without religion. You can connect to God through Jesus. You can connect to God and now have this amazing relationship with God that is tremendous, and there is it's a love relationship. He already chose to give you another gift, which is a full-time helper called the Holy Spirit that can live within you for 24-7. I need the helper. He, he made these choices. I didn't make these choices. He already chose to give us many other gifts called promises. And when you open the Bible and you begin to look at all of the promises God spoke to you, he says, yes, I want to do this. Yes, I want to do that. Yes, I want to be your provider. Yes, I want to be your protector. Yes, I want to be the one that's leading you through life, directing your steps. Yes, yes. You hear all these yeses. And I, be, I began to study the Bible. I go, wait a minute. This is not a rule book telling me all the no's. It's actually a promise book from a father written to children that give me his yeses. And I began to realize, wow, there is this, there's a shift that needs to happen in me of how I'm looking at God. If he already said yes, that means that yes is available to me. If he already said yes over you, there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to make it happen try to work so hard, try to per bring perfection somehow to your life and get your act together. There's no way you can do that. You simply got to receive it. That's how you receive gifts is by taking them. And he says, yes. I love, you know, the story of Adam and Eve because, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, he creates them. He prepares this garden. He gives them instructions and he places them in the garden. And you know what God says to Adam and Eve? Yes. He says, yes. All of this belongs to you. All of it's available to you. Yes. Take dominion. Multiply on the earth. Yes. You're created in my image, and I call you super good, very good. Yes. Now, it's interesting. There was only one no. There was only one no. Don't eat from that tree. Just one tree out of the whole world, out of the whole creation. Think about that. Millions of yeses, only one no. Millions of yeses, only one no. Adam and Eve literally were living under the yes of God and were experiencing God and experiencing who He is, what He is, and there was this amazing relationship called marriage. There was an amazing relationship to walk with God, hear His voice. There was a connection of creation with Creator. And they were living in this place called Eden, the garden, and they were living under the yes of God. This morning, yeah, God wants me to paint a picture for all of us because many of us don't relate to God like that. We've related to God in a religious way that, that the moment I do something wrong, my behavior, conduct is wrong, I distance myself from God. And of course, God's not happy with me, so I've got to be careful not to get too close but the reality is, here we see an amazing picture 
God said many yeses over Adam and Eve. You know, the thing about God's promises, sometimes God's promises don't always arrive on time. You know, in, in Fort Worth where I live, uh, one of the Amazon distribution centers really close to our house, so there's times you can buy something on Amazon, it's at the house in two hours, I mean literally. I don't know how it gets there, I don't know if it's a pigeon that flies and drops it, I, I don't know how they do it, but it, it shows up at my front door, and... and um, and so, you know, you can watch it on your phone. You can see where the carrier's at, what street's on, how many, you know, more stops there before your stop. And, and you're anticipating, anticipating that package. And, and then there's those moments. There's those moments when you go to the front door, you thought the package is there, it's not there. And suddenly, two hours is, is too short. What's going on? Amazon, what's going on? You understand? It's like you get so annoyed and so frustrated that, the package didn't come in two hours. I mean, think about where we were 10 years ago before Amazon. I mean, it took a long time to go buy pro products, and you had to go to the mall, and you had to go all this stuff. And today, you know, we're super spoiled. And it's like, boy, if it's not in two hours, I'm getting frustrated and calling Amazon and, and, and telling them, what's wrong with your company? Your company really stinks, right? Sometimes God's promises don't always come when we think they're going to come. You know, we're asking God for help with this or help with that. God, help me with this. Change that. And sometimes those, it doesn't always come instantly. And, um, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that because God has priorities. And one of His priorities is that He doesn't want me to rely on me. He wants me to rely on Him. And this is one of the, the, the hardest things for us as humans, especially guys, we like to do it ourselves. And I'm strong, I can, I'm vi I, I can do it myself, I can get this done, I'm a hard worker, I'll figure it out. And boy, I tell you, this is one of the hardest things for, for many people to let go of because I got this, God. And he says, no, you don't got this. Because if you had this, you would have changed that attitude or that behavior years ago, but you still haven't done it, have you? Oh, you're right, God. You understand? So God... There is a priority sometimes when the promises don't always come immediately or the answer doesn't come immediately. We can start getting frustrated, but understand that there's a priority in God's heart in your life, and that is that He is God alone, and there is no other gods, including you, including me. I can't do this. You know, sometimes uh, we are so focused on our need being met that the blessing becomes an idol in our life, and he doesn't allow idols in our life. And so sometimes we get so focused, I need healing, I need healing, I need provision, I need provision, that the provision becomes God instead of the one who's providing that. So there are priorities in God's heart as he is working in our lives. We've got to understand the big picture. Isaiah chapter 55. Let's, let's look at that for a minute. This gives us a great picture of, the, of this, what I'm talking about, God's way of of helping and working in our lives. It says in Isaiah 55, verse 10, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer, bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it will always produce fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere that I send it. Here is a picture of how God works in our lives. So we come to God and say, hey, God, I have this problem. I, I need help. 
I, I want to live under your yes. Your part of your yes is that I need healing. For example, maybe you feel sick. And you come and say, God, I, 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 need, I need healing. And he says, yes, healing is for today. I say, okay, God, so I'm waiting. <laughs> but healing doesn't come immediately sometimes. And so we get frustrated. But understand his process. Notice the process there. It says his word is like rain that comes down. And the, word, the rain comes, it absorbs, the ground absorbs it, and it begins to produce a plant. And the plant produces seeds or grains. And then the grains are harvested, and then there's bread. And then finally there's an eating. It's interesting that sometimes God's promises are like this. There is this, this space, this time, this process where God is providing, bringing healing, healing, uh, transformation in our lives. And there is, there is these moments where we could miss what God wants to do, living, even living under his yes. Our last point that I want to talk about today is living within that the, a yes of God, living in the garden. Um, there's an interesting word in Scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. It says, For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. Rest in what God says. Now remember, we're talking about is, do we have to work to get God to bless us, to make God love us, to earn something, or do we simply cooperate with what God wants to do in our lives, to receive things from God? I propose today that it is the latter, not the former. I have found in my own life that the harder I try to be good enough or get God to bless me somehow, the more wore out I become and the more frustrated I become. And here he says that there is a rest that I want you to enter into. And when you're in that place of rest, that is where I can take care of you. I love that, you know, Adam and Eve, they didn't build the garden. They didn't plant the garden. <laughs> God did all of that. They were just set in that place. And that gives us a great picture of how our Father in Heaven, God wants to set us in a place where He says, let me take care of you. Let me provide for you. Let me protect you. Now that place might be a wonderful job. And your job is, is part of that place. Wonderful. It might be the community you live in. Wonderful. It might be the church community you are, are a part of. Wonderful. What, wherever that place is, understand God created that for you and be grateful for that. Adam and Eve were set into that place. And now they had only one responsibility. There was only one thing that God had asked them to do. Don't eat from the tree, but take dominion. And it was interesting that, that uh, you know, you have Adam and Eve and God walking in the garden, but yet there was someone else there. Uh, God had told them, you know, even before they were put in the garden, listen, I want you to take dominion over the earth, over the animals, over all of God, uh, the creation. I want you to have dominion over that. And, and then he set them in the garden and he put them in this place. And now here is this animal there. That's very interesting. You know, sometimes we get so hard on Eve. Eve, it was Eve's fault. It's always the woman's fault, right? And... Um, <laughs> Be careful, men, because God gave Adam a responsibility. Take dominion, protect the garden. And um, 
Why was there a snake there then? You understand, there is, there is this part in our lives where we are called to resist the enemy and, and, the, and what he wants to do within our life, what he wants to do in me. I, I, it's, it's interesting that, that in the garden, there is this sense of God's provided. We're living under the yes of God. We are blessed by God. We're walking with God. Things are really good. But yet there's an enemy there that keeps me focusing on one no. And he keeps me focusing on the thing, the only one thing that God said, don't do. It's really interesting. And because of, you know, I have access to everything. Everything is mine. I mean, there were rivers there. There was gold. There was silver. There was precious stones. I mean, Adam and Eve didn't need anything. They didn't need another fruit tree. <laughs> you understand? But there was an enemy in this place that kept pointing to the thing that God said no to. Even though there was all of these yes. And suddenly, they became ungrateful. And ungratefulness is the thing that causes you and I to begin to look outside of the yes of God into things that will only hurt us and only destroy us. And it is one of those things that an enemy keeps pointing you and I at the thing that I don't have. The thing that I can't touch. Um, boy, you know, I have, like I said, I have four children and <laughs> they're all different. And boy, the, the one you tell them, don't touch that. And they're two years old, right? <laughs> and you're just watching what's going to happen, right? And, and they, they look at you and they look at the thing, they look at you, look at the thing, and they're weighing how much pain will this cause me if I touch this? Will dad, will dad really give me a spanking? Will, what, what's he going to do? And they're really kind of measuring inside, how much pain will this actually cause? And they touch it, and pain comes. You know, there's an enemy in our world that keeps pointing us to the thing, the one thing God says don't do, instead of us enjoying all of the yes that God has given us. And the enemy, which is amazing, he will never tell you the pain that's going to come from that. But later, boy, the pain is heavy. And some of you in this room today, you've suffered pain in relationships and broken things, broken relationships, maybe even business deals that didn't go through because there were shady things going on. I don't know the pain that you might be suffering this morning, but the reality is live under the yes of God enjoy it live an, a, an amazing life of love with a father that loves you cares for you and wants the best for you and live in that place where he says okay this is this is i prepared it for you i want you to have a blessed marriage i want you to have a blessed family i want your finances to be blessed i want to protect you as you travel i want to i want to be that for you let me do that for you you can't earn that you have to receive it and in that place Resist. Resist when the enemy comes and says, yeah, but look. Yeah, but look. I'm sitting on an airplane. This was several years ago, and I'm uh, 
in the, in the center seat. And um, a businessman comes and sits down. He's on the aisle seat. And uh, we're just getting ready to take off. And so he's, you know, hey, where are you going? What's, you know, we kind of strike a conversation. And, and all of a sudden, this woman gets on the plane. And she was amazing. She was beautiful. She was dressed sexy. She was, had beautiful perfume on. I mean, you know, one of those supermodel kind of looks to her. And so she walks on the plane. She's walking down the aisle. And this businessman, I'm watching the businessman. And he's, he's like this because he's on the aisle seat. So he's watching her. And he's doing this. And he just keeps following her all the way back. And then he, he, he you know, he, he's about ready to snap his neck. But anyway, he turns around. And he looks right at me. And he said, did you see that? Don't you want that? I said, yeah, I have one of those at home. <laughs> the enemy always will point to something else. To try to make us ungrateful of all the yeses God has given us. Don't fall for it. Father, this morning we are so grateful that you have a plan and your plan is yes. Your plan is, I want to bless you. My, I, I've already decided. I'm going to say over you, yes and amen. And so, Lord, we want to receive that. If it's salvation, if it's healing, if it's transformation. God, we have we felt many times like the hamster on the wheel, and we just we can't get ahead. We can't change this area of our life. We can't clean up our act enough. We just can't do it. And we acknowledge that we've tried and we failed. And this morning, we just come to the only one that can do it, and that's you. And we just simply say, Father, would you pour out in our lives today healing, transformation, restoration of our marriage, our families, our children? Would you restore joy back into our hearts, peace back into our hearts God, we, we want to get off the religious hamster wheel. We don't want to keep running, going nowhere and just feeling like failure. God, we're tired of that. So, Father, I just invite everyone in this room, those watching on, online and uh, the overflow room, I just invite you right now. Prayer is simply talking to God. If this is new for you. You just simply say, God, here am I. I need you. I've tried it on my own. I've tried it through religion, and it doesn't work, and I'm just frustrated. I'm angry with myself. I don't like myself. I have hatred in different things about me. I'm not proud of the things that I do in private. I'm not proud of the things that I do in my family. I don't want it anymore in my life. So I come to you today, Father. I was taught something wrong, but I'm hearing something today that is so such good news that you want me to live under your yes and amen. So I make that choice. And if that's you this morning, just make that choice. Just say in your heart, I choose this. I choose God. I choose to live under his yes. And I want all that he has for me. I stop listening to an enemy trying to point me in the wrong direction. It's only brought pain to my life. Father, thank you so much for meeting us in this place today. Thank you, Father, for a new day, a new dawning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. What a great message that...
Greg brought to encourage us. There's a, such a subtlety to religion versus living life with God. And sometimes we don't even catch that subtleness. And it's the posture of your heart. God's promise is yes and amen. And we need to be able to just step into that just as Adam and Eve stepped into the garden. We don't need to work for that. We don't need to earn it. Every parent wants to give their kids good gifts. Every parent wants to give their kids yes and amen. But we, as kids, sometimes we feel like we need to earn it from God. We need to please God in, in, in order to step into that place. And that's the subtlety of religion. Is that we feel like we need to earn it or we need to please it or we need to, we need to be in a place where we're good with God first. Or that I need to fix myself before I get to step into this place. But God is saying, no, I want you to step into this place. Rest in me. Rest in my everything that I have for you. And receive. It's simple. It's stepping into a new paradigm of what the gospel has to offer us. That's gospel. That's the gospel message. And so today I just want to encourage you guys and just bring a, a freshness to our theology, the, the way that we see God. That all we need to do is say, I receive it, God. I'm going to step into your yes and your amen. I'm not going to get distracted by the devil. I'm not going to let the devil point out the one thing that makes me dissatisfied. I'm going to step into it. Can we do that, church? Can we encourage each other to do that? Can we re remind each other to step into the place where God says yes and amen to who you are, that you are enough and that you are there? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your promises are true. Lord, may we see what your promises are for us today. And you remind us that you are a God that said yes and amen to everything that you've given to us. So, Lord, we want to be able to rest in that today. We want to be renewed in that today. And, Lord, may you renew our minds to see the things of your, your goodness. So, Lord, we thank you. We love you. We give all worship and all our blessing to you. And we promise in Jesus' name, amen.